Hey guys, welcome to the Man Bits Podcast, episode 36. Straight up chat about men's health with my guest, Larry Hagner. What does it take to be a good father? What does it take to be a good dad and husband? Being a dad isn't easy. There's no rule book on how to be a father. We usually take what we've learned from our own father and that feeds into how we raise our own kids, but that's not necessarily the right way. Many fathers think that giving love to their children is by working really hard and putting a roof over their head, and that is true. But also, there's evidence to say that a father's love often remains unspoken, and when that happens, a child can grow up not ever knowing that their father loves them or is proud of them. Like I said, there's no rule book on how to be a good father, but there is the Good Dad Project, and there is the Dad Edge podcast. And Larry Hagner, my guest today, is the founder of both. His podcast is the number one dad podcast in iTunes. It's downloaded in 180 countries with millions of downloads. Larry and his wife, Jessica, are parents to four boys. Larry breaks down strategies for men on how to be the best version of themselves and helps them navigate as a band of brothers. He helps guys with mental toughness, emotional resilience, financial stress, relationships, and that work-life integration. His book, The Dad Edge, is number one Amazon bestseller. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, we've just launched Patreon, where you can actually support the show by getting rewarded and contributing to the longevity of the show. Head to themanbits.com forward slash reward. That's themanbits.com forward slash reward. And you can have a look at what the Patreon is, why we're doing it. I've posted a video up there to explain all about it. Essentially, you're supporting charity, you're supporting the Manbits podcast and getting exclusive and extra content and a bit more access to me. I look forward to connecting with you in there. Thanks all. Let's get into the episode and learn how to dad with Larry Hagner. Larry Hagner, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Paul, what is going on? Good to see you, brother. <laughs> Let's kick things off. If you can share with me, how do you do what you love and love what you do? Oh, boy, that is a good question. Um, I, I think for me, I, I do what I love. So I founded the Good Dad Project in 2012 and then wrote my book, The Dad Edge, in 2015. Now we have our, you know, we've had our podcast out for three years. But it all started with a problem. It all started with... Uh, my own struggles as a man and as a father. I, I knew in 2012, I was at the time I had two boys. Uh, I had a six-year-old and I had a four-year-old. Now I have four boys, which means it, there, there's a lot of them. I, I, I probably should learn their names at this point. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, for me, I my my struggle became my passion because I fatherhood to me was so important, but I wasn't doing it well. And there's still days I don't do it well. So for me, I had this hunger and I had this drive because of probably my upbringing and, and just some really, and I can share some of those, but some really chaotic experiences growing up where I, I didn't have that father figure. I didn't have that rock. I didn't have that man in my life to show me how to be a man, to show me how to be a husband, to show me those things. So I became very, very hungry about it. The problem was I'm, I'm just like every other guy out there. I have an ego. We all have an ego. And sometimes when we think of ego, we think of this really overconfident, egotistical kind of a person, right? But our egos can also get in the way of like, I've got this. I don't need help. 
Mm. I shouldn't need help. I shouldn't need help. I should know how to do this. So our egos can show up as I got this or we start shooting on ourselves, right? I should be able to do this on my own. So I, I knew it at one point I had a very low point as a father in 2012 and I was like, I can't do this alone anymore. I have to figure this out. And what I had to do is was surrender my ego and just decide I'm going to become a student of fatherhood. I'm just going to become a student and I'm just going to learn every day. I'm going to try to learn something new and hopefully learning something new will help me to be better every single day. And that's what I'm going to do. My pain became my passion. So you're talking about how do you love what you do and do what you love? It's I, I think it's perhaps looking in the mirror and and understanding what is my what is my biggest problem and perhaps how many other people are struggling with the same thing. And for me, every guy struggles with this, just about every single one of us who are fathers struggle with this. So for me, it became a, a passion and a desire to always remain curious, to learn, to be better. And my podcast, my mission and my blog and all that other stuff, really what it is, is the platform of me learning. And I just simply get to share it as I learn it because I certainly, I, I've never claimed to be the expert. I am no guru. I still make a hundred mistakes every single day. But having that platform of learning to where other men can learn with me, man, that is just, that's just so cool because we're arm in arm. It's, it's no preaching from a pulpit. It's like, Hey man, I'm, I'm just an imperfect moron. And like, let's, let's go, let's learn together. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, uh, it's sort of great to be the conduit for that information to give it out to other people as well. You know? Thank you. Tell me about the male or the father figures in your life when you were a child. Yeah. So what happened to me, my parents were married in 1971. They had me in 1975. I think I was nine months old or so when they got divorced. It was a very ugly divorce from what I understand. I don't know many details about it, but I know it was bad. Uh, when I, w I don't remember ever spending time with my father, seeing my father. He was, he was pretty much out of the picture. My mom met another guy when I was four uh, who became my father. And he was the guy I knew as my father. My dad had signed over parental rights. He thought he was probably doing me a favor, you know, keeping me away from the chaos and the tension between he and my mom. So he became my father. Unfortunately, he was and he was great. He was a great guy. Unfortunately, he didn't probably know how to be a dad either. He did what a lot of us dads do is when he got stressed out, he would self-medicate through alcohol. And unfortunately, he was probably one of the nicest guys I ever knew. Taught me a lot about manners and respect and everything. But when he drank, he got very mean. And when he got mean, he hit. And when he hit, he would hit, punch, slap, push down, all those other things. So for six years, from the time I was four to ten, that's that was my life. That was what I knew as a father. I think he dealt with depression. I think he dealt with a lot of things. I think he felt dealt with a lot of demons. Plus, my, the marriage between him and my mom was really it was it was chaotic, especially at the end. So I think at, towards the end, he probably dealt with. Now I'm looking back on it. You know, it took me a while to get to this level. Of, of understanding where he was probably at, but I think he was a broken man and he didn't know how to deal with it. Like he, he had a broken marriage. He was broken as a father and all he did was drink. And the more he drank, the more he got broken. So they got divorced when I was 10. Uh, I have not seen him since. In fact, I just found out a year ago that he died. Uh, and I found that out because I was served papers from a court here in St. Louis, uh, telling me that he had passed away and he left a house to me. Um, which which was interesting. That's how I found out he died, and it was you know it was, it was 32 years later, and I was his only I guess legacy heir. Um, my mom then kind of dated around here and there, but it was always the same guy. You know, guys who would drink, guys who would party, guys who were maybe you know they weren't interested in being fathers. They were interested in my mom. 
just here and there, guys in and out. My mom settled down with another guy when I was 15 for a couple of years. I'm not going to go into detail, but I just an absolute nightmare. I mean, probably the worst toxic male figure I've ever come across in my entire life as far as abuse, physical, mental, emotional, uh, and, and me as well as my mom. So they split up when I was 17. My mom then got remarried uh, in the mid-90s. And I, at that point, I was, to be honest with you, the last guy she was married to, again, he he drank a lot. You know, he was he was a partier, but at the same time, he was a very he was a loving man. But I think at that point in time, I was just sort of done. I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this. Like, I'm not gonna have a father figure, and I'm certainly not gonna allow another man in my life. Funny thing is, is 12 years ago when I was 30, I was sitting in a coffee shop here in St. Louis, and I had met my father, my biological father, once when I was 12, just as sort of a short time. I you know, and I'm not gonna go in just for the sake of time. I won't go into it how. But we did meet, and so I knew who he was, and I knew his name, and I knew what he looked like. When I was 30, uh, this man came walking into this coffee shop, and he caught my eye, and I it was my father. Wow. And long story short, yeah, it had been you know years, and he had never been a part of my life really for 30 years. And here we are, 12, almost 13 years later, and I'm proud to say we have a relationship. He uh, He's married to a great woman. Uh, he's been married to this woman for 40 years. Uh, she is, you know, my stepmom. Uh, I have two half brothers that are fantastic. They're unbelievable. Uh, we, we get along great and it's, it's a, it's a rarity. It's a rare situation. I would say my dad and I, we don't have, I don't call him dad. Uh, we don't have a father son relationship. We more have a friendship. And I think that that's very appropriate for us. You know, I think, I think we're good with that. Both of us are. And that's where we're at. And my struggle really came as a father I, I knew all these things that I wasn't going to do. So I knew I wasn't going to hit my kids. I, I knew I wasn't going to you know, throw beer bottles at them. I knew I wasn't going to call them names, cuss at them, get drunk and all this other stuff. But I was in limbo. I didn't know what to do. That's where the Good Dad Project, the Dad Edge really came from was like, okay, I know what not to do. I have no idea what to do though. Like, so what, what do you do? And there's no manual out there. There's no, there's not. nothing that's going to, sh- there's not. Damn so. It. <laughs> yeah, I know. So so we're we're building it. We're we're building the systems, we're building the processes to help men be better men, better fathers, better husbands because there's really not much out there. I've got just a couple of questions around your biological father. Back then when you were 12, did you have a preconceived expectation when you met him at 12 of how you thought that meeting would go? Wow, that's a good question. I I did, and I think as I look back on it, I probably looked at it the same way a guy would look at a girl that he was dating out of his league. If that makes sense. Like the guy would be so excited and so overjoyed and like almost like this desperate energy, right? Oh my God, I hope this works out. It's like, she's so beautiful. I hope it works out. I want to be everything I think I can be and I want to be more and I'm going to try really, really hard so this person accepts me. And I think that's the energy that I probably gave off when I was 12 because I really, you know, my mom just got divorced. It was a really ugly divorce and I really wanted a dad in my life. And I was so curious about who this man was that I was a part of. I think I tried really, really hard as this kid to have him in my life, unfortunately. Um, and again, I'm not going to go into detail on it because in the sake of time, but it just wasn't in the cards for us at that time. So what was a pivotal moment? Was there a moment where from where you, uh, what you thought a dad should be to where you went, okay, this isn't the way I thought things would go as a father. Was there a pivotal moment where you had to make some changes? Yeah. So in 2012, I had been a dad for six years and I had two boys at the time and I was doing what the typical everyday broken father, and I use that term widely broken because a lot of us are just broken. And I don't mean that as in we are completely crumbling men. I mean we're frustrated because we don't know how to be fathers. I think we know, again, a lot of us know what not to do, 
but we don't necessarily know what to do. Like, what are the guidelines? What are the steps? What are the things I need to do? I did what every other guy did. Um, I really dove into work way too much. I was working like a maniac just because I didn't want to have to, I loved being a dad, but I was scared of it at the same time. So I didn't want to fail. So I kind of, it's, it's almost like if you were to dip your toe in the pool, right? You're like, I don't really know if I want to get in there because I don't know if I can swim as well as I want, you know, or, or that's, that's about the best analogy I can think of. Or maybe, maybe think of it as like a, uh, a whitewater rafting where you just dip your toe in. You're not going to get in that boat and go because you don't know what's going to happen. You went into provider mode. I'll be the provider. I did. I'll, I'll make the money. Um, I'll do, you know, I'll provide. I was the lone wolf. You know, I was like, oh, I'll do this all by myself. And, and I was miserable. I lived this quiet life. I say this all the time on my own podcast, but I lived this quiet life of desperation where uh, I had a very hard time getting out of my own way. And I, I had a hard time as a husband too. I, I didn't feel, you know, the, the deepest need for men is validation. But believe it or not, the deepest need for men is validation. We need to know that we're appreciated. We need to know that we're doing a good job. And that's why we, we usually dive into our work. Because that's where we get accolades. That's where we get attaboys. That's where we get pats on the back. That's where we get an annual review. That's where we get our raises. That's where we get like the high fives. In the family, it gets dirty, you know, and then there's really no way to measure. Am I doing a good job? I don't know. Like, I'm not really sure. You don't really know if you're doing a good job or not until something good happens or you, maybe something bad happens. Uh, for me, my, my low point came where my son was four at the time. We were packing up our house, getting ready to move. I had just spent like hours and hours and hours uh, packing up their playroom and I hate moving and I didn't really like my job and, um, you know, I was frustrated and probably drinking that night, you know, as I was doing it just because I was miserable and my son came down and I told, I took a break and I was like, Hey, whatever you do, don't go through the, I, I know we packed up your toys, but do not open up any of these boxes. Like it took me hours and hours, you know, the boxes were floor to ceiling. So I left for like a half hour. I came back. And my son had opened up like all of them and I got horrendously pissed and I ended up spanking him and I spanked him hard where it knocked him down. And no, that was Mason. And, uh, my 12 year old, my 12 year olds over here, was that me? No, it was Mason, your, your brother. <laughs> and so I became so ashamed of that moment. And my wife was like, what, what are you doing? Like, and my wife is very non-dramatic. She's very low maintenance. She doesn't, she doesn't point anything out like that unless it's urgent. So when she says something like that, I'm like, oh, wow. So when she, when she said that, she's like, you don't have to get so mad. Like he was just trying to get to his toys. And I'm like, oh my God, here I am. I'm doing the same crap that I was raised with. What am I doing? I was so ashamed. I went, what, what do men do? Right. We either go self-medicate with alcohol, we, we do something or we just, Hey, I'll go on social media and I'll just, I'll, I'll just distract myself from what just happened. And I was in my office. It was late at night and I was on Facebook. I was emotional. I was crying and I was like, I'm doing the same crap that I was raised with. And I told myself I wouldn't. And I saw this thing in the left-hand corner of Facebook and I said, create a page. And I don't know what it was about that. I have no idea what happened, but just may, call it divine intervention. If you believe in God, I do. And the words, the good dad project just came out. It just came out. And so I created that page. And at that moment, I just surrendered, you know, and I was just like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I'm so frustrated and I'm tired of living this way. So if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm open to understanding what I, what do I need to do? I'm willing to do the work. Like, let's, let's go. 
So I decided every day I'm going to go out on the internet. I'm going to learn something new and I'm just going to, I'm just going to share it on this page. And I started to get some following on that page, nothing big, but I noticed it started inspiring people. And then I started to get asked to, to do speaking events. I'm like speaking events. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And what I found is uh, early on, and I can, and here we are six years later, I realize it now, none of us know what the hell we're doing. None of us. And and one of the things that, that we talk about all the time in the Data Edge and, and the, the podcast, and we have this mastermind community called the Data Edge Alliance, that men are stronger in numbers because we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. And the weaknesses we're trying to work on, usually men have strengths that can help us. And they have weaknesses and we usually have strengths that can help them. And the one thing that unite us, that unite men is the community, the community that we build. We are the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. And what I found is, is men just want to have better conversations with other men about fatherhood, about being a husband, about being a provider. We don't want to simply talk about the same crap, the current events and, and sports on the weekends and what we do for a living and while we have a beer, because that's the only way we're going to talk to another man is if we're drinking, right? We want to have at the, at the heart of every man, the foundation of every man, we want to have good conversations. I'm not talking about weepy, emotional, touchy-feely conversations. I'm talking about good masculine conversations where, hey, I need some advice and I'm happy to give you advice. Well, let's share wisdom because we're better together. And so in 2012, did the Facebook page. 2013, I launched the blog, Good Dad Project. 2015, launched the podcast because I became, you know, just more curious about what it meant to be a good father. And I figured if I'm going to do this, I, I need to learn from people who are a heck of a lot smarter than me. And a podcast is a great way to have better conversations with people who are way smarter than me. So I did that, took some of that information and some of the things that were working for me. And I wrote The Dad Edge in 2015. And it's been amazing because that book... I wrote it as if I was having a conversation with my best friend. I didn't write it from a stage or from a pulpit, like trying to help a guy be a better father, like just saying like, hey, I'm a broken moron at times. And here are some things that I've found that are really simple that have made my life tremendously better because it doesn't have to be complicated. And then 2016, we launched our Dad Edge Alliance community, and that's been our mastermind community. And it has been just a incredible success. We now have over 250 men from literally all over the world who are a part of that community, who are part of our mastermind community, and then over 10,000 who are a part of our, we just have a Facebook group where we have better conversations like this called the Dad Edge, Real Dads with Purpose, uh, that we have these conversations with as well. Yes, yeah, so that's the uh, the Dad's Edge. The, the book is Nine Simple Ways to Have Unlimited Patience, Improved Relationships, and Positive Lasting Memories. You got it. We'll make sure that there's you know, links so people can get access to that and all of the great things you're talking about. You mentioned something really interesting there about guys, we think we want to just talk about sports, we think we just want to talk about superficial things, but truly and really, as you said, we want to have rich conversation and, and learn from each other. Do you think it's because we sort of have to break out of this narrative of conditioning where we think that we have to be the macho man? You know, Is there some way that we need to break out of that? Is that what's happening? Yeah. So I think that's a great question. I'm going to answer it a couple of different ways. 
the answer to the question is yes. You know, society has, I need to be stoic. I need to be strong. I need to, I can never, ever show weakness. I can never show vulnerability because I sure as hell can't tell the guy next to me that I'm struggling with my finances. I can't tell the guy next to me that I'm struggling in my marriage, that me and my wife aren't communicating or we're, we're, we're not being intimate. We're not having sex. I can't tell the guy next to me that I'm, I'm having issues with, with my kid and I can't, I don't understand how to talk to my kid. I can't tell the guy next to me, like, I hate what I do for a living and I wish I could find the work that I love. I'm miserable. Our two favorite words are I'm good and I'm fine or I'm fine and I'm good. How's life? Good. How are you been? Fine. And we leave it at that. Or well, the English say, I'm not bad. I'm not I'm not bad. That's right. How you doing? Not bad. Not bad. I'm not, I'm not good. I'm just not bad. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, and that, you know, but in, what, what I've noticed is there's our financial being, there's our health and our health encompasses our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual being. There is the relationship with our wife. So intimacy, communication, and sex, those things are really, really important. What we do for a living, our work, we spend a lot of time with our work, so you better love what you do. And if you don't, find something else, I'm telling you, because it is going to make your life miserable. The other aspect is the connection with your kids. Those, these are the five dimensions for men that we deal with. What I have found is, is that men are usually pretty proficient in two, and then they're really, they might be struggling in three. Once a man starts to struggle in all five, that's what we call the pit. This, the suicide rate among men over 40 is insane. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we are dealing with these things, these five areas of our life where we're a mess and we, have, we feel that we are the only one and we have no one to go to. So to answer back to your question of do, do we have to be this stoic person? Yeah, that's what society tells us. The problem is, is that every single guy wants to have conversations like this. Every guy wants to be able to lean in. We use this term a lot in the alliance. We lean into another man to get advice. The, the problem is, is that most men, when they start thinking about, well, how do I, how do I talk to another man? How do I have that conversation with another man? And I can tell you without a doubt, you don't want to ask a man out for coffee and be like, Hey, let's meet for coffee and talk about our feelings. Like you don't do that. I don't do that. Well, you can't do that that way. It's going to make a guy feel awkward. It's going to make you feel awkward. However, the skill set to build a band of brothers or to build that trusted advisor relationship with another man is like, is to compliment that man and ask him advice. So like, for instance, if I want to sit down and have a real conversation with a guy, you know, not a fake one about the news or about Donald Trump or about my kids' sports or about all this other stuff, I might say, you know what? Hey, uh, Mike, Jessica and I have, have started to struggle a little bit with our finances. And I noticed you are really, really great with your finances. I would love to buy you a cup of coffee. And would you mind if we sit down and talk about finances? I just want to ask you a couple questions. What you've just done for Mike, you became vulnerable, number one. Number two, you just complimented the hell out of that guy because now he feels really, really important. He's going to get to do what most men get to do best, and that's give you advice and solve your problem. The cool thing about that is you you were the one that went first, and I guarantee a conversation over coffee with Mike might look like this, where you lean in, you talk to Mike about your finances. He's going to give you advice, and I guarantee without a shadow of a doubt, Mike is going to be like, you know what? Now that we're talking about it, I noticed that you and Jessica seem to really have a good relationship. Like you guys are affectionate with each other. You love each other. Like I see you guys together. You know, me and me and Sarah, man, we're dude, we're kind of struggling. Okay. Like we're not talking that much, you know, we're busy with the kids. Like I feel like, you know, I'm not dating my wife. Like how, how do you do it? And what you've just done is you've laid that groundwork for a much deeper and richer conversation and you've done it in a very masculine way that complements both sides. 
And when you break out of the narrative and be vulnerable, men are really good at it when they actually do it. They are. Larry, it's time for the middle bits. This is some quick fire questions for you. Yeah, let's do it. Are you ready for the middle bits? I'm ready. What's your number one tip for kick-ass mind health? You have to have uh, you have to have an accountability partner. You have to have those one or two guys that you can go to when things hit the fan. Have to. You have to have that relationship. If you don't, if you're if you're that lone wolf, forget about it. That's what keeps mental health in check is being able to unload some of your mental, emotional baggage onto somebody else when things get heavy. Would you say that has to be a guy or anyone or a professional? I would say whatever is going to do it for you. If it's going to be a counselor, let it be a counselor. If it's going to be a friend, let it be a friend. If it's going to be a mastermind, let it be a mastermind. Whatever you feel comfortable with, as long as you have it, you need to have it. If you could go back to, say, your 12-year-old self, even maybe before you met your biological father, for example, if you could go back to that day and give that boy one piece of fundamental advice, what would that be? I think you just took the air out of the room. (laughs) Because I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about myself when I was 12. Um, Wow. I think think that that... what I would have told myself is it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Ask for help. I think that would have been the best advice because that was the thing I, I struggled with the most was asking for help. I was that typical guy like that long, like I got this and I was quietly miserable and I was too prideful to ask for help. Now I don't hesitate to ask for help. We have this huge sign that's over our stairs in our house and it's something that my family lives by and it says TEAMS. It's the acronym TEAMS and the T stands for take responsibility. The E is encourage others. The A is ask for help. The M is master your job and S is sacrifice. But the most important thing for me is ask for help. And I think that would save a lot of men as well. It would. It would. Thank you. And is there a particular book or resource that's been pretty fundamental to you in terms of your journey? Obviously, you've got your book, which has been pretty fundamental, which uh, will make sure people get they can get their hands on. But what else? What else has helped you along the way? There's been a few things, and I'll definitely, if I can share some books that have been pivotal. Like if I think about books that I've read where I have made a total shift, and I'm like, all right, now I I got that. Um, is this a clean show? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> so Gary John Bishop, Ethan, close your ears. <laughs> My 12 year old Gary John Bishop wrote a book called unfuck yourself. Uh, it's, it's a great book. The title is obviously you can uncover your ears. The, 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 the title is, is meant to grab your attention, but basically the book is to overcome self-sabotage. That's really what it is. And men are, we are masters of that. You can uncover your ears. Um, men are masters at that. <laughs> My 12 year old, uh, <laughs> men are masters at that. We, we are masters of, of sabotaging ourselves before we usually get out of the gates. The, another book that I read that I, I thought was great was, um, unbeatable mind by Mark divine, who is a former Navy seal. Fantastic book. Definitely was a pivotal book in my life. Another book that I read was, um, Fathered by God by John Eldridge and Wild at Heart. He wrote both. He was also a guest on my podcast. He he was just he's been a pivotal aspect in my life as far as those books are concerned. And right now I'm reading The Warrior Book by Garrett J. White. And that's another great book. It really explains a lot as far as how men have gotten to where they're at today and how men have evolved into 
the man that we're talking about today. My final question of the middle bits is, I like to set intention when I make a plan. I, I like to set intention before a meeting, before an interview, before I set goals. So is there one word of intention you could set for, say, the coming year for yourself? What word would that be? Uh, the word that I would use is is exactly that. It's intention. It's It's being intentional about what it is you're about to do. So like, for instance, uh, I think a lot of us, I have a morning routine where I, I journal, I reflect, and then I think about what are the things that I'm going to accomplish that day. That's intention. That's being very, very intentional, being very, very aware. What I notice, because I'm not perfect about that, is that because there are days I miss, I'm not nearly as productive. And if I if I maybe journal at the end of the day, it's more like a more like a CSI episode where it's like the, the, the day has become a dead body and I'm just basically how did the day become a dead body? I'm, I'm just figuring out how it wasn't productive like <laughs> versus so I'm, I'm doing like the aftermath of what happened versus like I should have. It's kind of like the difference between that movie that Tom Cruise was in uh, several years ago called Minority Report where they could predict crimes before they happen because they could see the future. It's kind of like being intentional. It helps you understand where do I want to go versus like a CSI episode of being like what the hell just happened? <laughs> those are the two differences <laughs> great analogy i haven't shared this with my audience yet but uh pascal my wife and i are on that boat now in december this year we are due our first so it can obviously come with a lot of challenge there's great things and and terrible things as well and so what's one of the biggest challenges you've had to face as a father and as a family Oh, that's a good question because I, I could, we could do a whole episode on this, but I'll, I'll make a brief. I would say the biggest challenge has been myself because the kids, they are who they are. And in your situation, the first three months are, they kind of suck. I mean, they, they're glorious, but they kind of suck because there's not really much that the dad does and there's not really much that the baby does. I mean, obviously you're there, you're present, you're helping out your wife, but you sort of just feel like this person who transitions the kid from the bed to the mom to be fed, depending on if she's nursing or not or if, whatever. My my wife did all four. I think men get really, really frustrated very, very easily for one reason. That's because they don't know what's coming next. They don't know what this kid's going to do. You know, they, they've been able to predict pretty much what's going on with, you know, especially if it's your first, them and their wife and that situation. But now this kid and God only knows, you know, we, we just put the kid down. It could be 10 minutes, it could be 12 hours before this kid gets up again. And is the kid going to be in a good mood or a bad mood? Plus these other things too that men think about. I mean, let's face it, when's the next time I'm, I'm going to have sex again? Because like I think a lot of times when when kids come – Men associate that with, okay, now uh, sex has been pulled out of our relationship, you know, and now life is all about this kid or kids. And the one thing that I would tell you from a father perspective is give yourself some grace. Give yourself some grace. There are going to be mistakes. The more mistakes you're making, the better, because that means you're in it. You're, you're getting your hands dirty. You're doing the work. Screw up and be proud that you're screwing up. Just learn from it. And when it comes to your wife, when it comes to your wife, you date her. You date that woman. She is still the woman. That, yes, she's the mother of your children. But the minute you stop dating her, that's when the relationship gets stale. One last piece of advice, too, is you are married first and parents second. A lot of people would be like, that's backwards. No, it's not. It's not backwards. And the reason it's not backwards is because we are the foundation of that family. 
your relationship with your wife crumbles, that family crumbles. Okay. And I'm not trying to put down divorced men and women. What I'm trying to say is a lot of divorces can be prevented if the couple decides we are going to continue to date each other. I'm going to treat you with so much respect, admiration, and I'm going to love you the way you need to be loved and I need love from you and we need to communicate on what we need from each other and we need to communicate every single day and we need to date each other and we need to go out. We need There are times we need to get away from this kid and go be a couple again and that's okay. You're going to feel guilty about it, but don't. Date that woman, continue to date that wife. I think that might be the piece of gold. <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to positive lasting relationships, when times do get bad, how do you make sure that you do stay on that even keel with your partner? How do you make sure that you continue to maintain respect without the, the emotion really driving our decision making and how we respond to each other? Because obviously, we can, especially in the early days, we probably get very tired, right? Yeah, there's two pieces of advice that I get. And again, you know, I'm, I'm not a master of these, but I've, I've learned them. And one I've known for a long time. The other one I'm, I'm just now learning. The one I've known for a, love a long time is I swear to God, if everyone really understood what the, what the love language of their wife was and the wives knew what the love language of the husband is, you would save half the marriages, at least half the marriages. I mean, because everyone receives love very differently. The problem is, is that what happens is, is we love our partner in our love language. So like, for instance, there's five of them, right? There's physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, and gifts. Men, for the most part, are physical touch and words of affirmation. It comes from men. We need sex. We need physical contact. It's just part of it, you know, and there's nothing to be ashamed of that. Some guys are ashamed of that. Like, I'm, I'm, I must be weird. I, I need a lot. No, you're not. You're normal. It's a part of being a man. The other thing is, is men thrive on words of affirmation. Like it or not, we thrive on validation. We want to know I'm appreciated. I want to know that I'm respected. I want to know that you appreciate that I'm providing. I, I want to know that you see how hard I'm working and trying. That I think it's so simple for women because if women could help validate men and what they're trying to do, that would make men feel like gold. Now, I'll go to the women's defense that men usually try to love their wives in words of affirmation, compliment her. You're so beautiful. You're this. You're that. And then physical touch. So we're as women would say, he's always, he's always on me. He's groping me. And, and men are like, I don't know why you don't understand me. I'm just trying to love you. And women are like, yeah, you don't understand me. And that's because most women for the most part are acts of service and quality time. So if I, if I really want to love on my wife, if I, you know, of course my default is like, I'm going to go up and kiss her. Well, that's great. She feels affection, but at the same time, if I help her with dinner or I empty the dishwasher or I fold some laundry or I'm like, hey, I see you've been, you know, go out with your girlfriends, get out of here, like go recharge, go have fun, go do your thing. And then she comes back and she's like, it's, it's a huge act of service. Like, let me take some burden off of you. And she feels poured into, she feels loved. The other thing men do too is we, we're not the best listeners and women thrive on quality time. They, they thrive on connection. And if they don't feel connected to you, they are not going to want to love you back. So if she's talking, listen, like really, really listen, take her out on a date. Don't be lazy. Date your wife again. Make her feel important. When she is talking, make that woman feel like she is the only person in the room. Get off your phone. Don't look around the room. Look at her and listen to her like you're on your first date with her. Those are the things that I think really help out a marriage. The other thing too, the second thing I wanted to address was emotional validation. And a lot of guys are like, well, what the hell does that even mean? What is emotional validation? Here's what emotional validation is. When a woman comes to you and she's like, 
I had a hell of a day at work. Freaking Judy pissed me off because she was all over my ass because like I didn't get this report in on time. Then I had to come home. The house was a freaking mess. Like the kids are just driving me crazy. Like I just, I'm stressed out. And what does the guy do? Well, you should have told Judy to go to hell. And why didn't you, like, what report did you need to do? Maybe if you did on Monday, like maybe, or maybe if you did on Friday, maybe if you scheduled it in during the week earlier, maybe you'll get it in on time. Like maybe, we, and, and the guy is just trying to be helpful. Solution-based. Solution-based, right? That just pisses a woman off. It makes her feel inferior. Same thing with our kids. Like our kids come to us. They're like, dad, I'm really, really mad. Well, why are you mad? You've got a good life. That's what we do, right? What do you have to be mad about? Mm -hmm. Emotional validation looks like this. Man, sounds like sounds like Judy's got a lot on her mind. Maybe she had a bad day. I bet that was really frustrating. Tell me more about that. It's really understanding how does she feel, putting a word with how she feels. Same thing with kids. I'm really mad. Well, what's going on, man? Like, is there something going on you want to talk about? Yeah, like I was on the trampoline and, and Mason pushed me off the trampoline. I got really mad. Man, I can understand that. Like I think I'd be really, really upset too. What do you think we should do? Yeah, and it's understanding like let me meet you where your emotions are at right now and not solve your problem because that's not what, what needs to be done at that point. And perhaps uh, some guys might need to develop that vocabulary to be able to have those conversations and say those words. It's a skill, yeah, and you got to practice it because it's hard. It's a mastery. It is. It's hard. Which is a great time to ask you about the summit and about what you're doing with the Good Dad Project, uh, the Dad Edge, and the podcast, and you know what's going on there. You, I know you've just finished the the first summit. Is that correct? Yeah. So we had the Dad Edge Summit that was here in St. Louis, Missouri. We had uh, we actually sold the event out. We only opened it up to 75 men. It was full. And uh, it was amazing. We had men come from all over the world. We had them coming from Canada, obviously in the U.S. We even had guys from Australia there who flew in, and it was it was a three day event, and it was it was incredible. It was our first live meetup, and men had massive, incredible just breakthroughs, you know. And it was it was intense. I mean, it was intense. And what what we did at that summit is we really did a deep dive on those five areas, you know, finance, uh, health, uh, the connection with our wives, what we do for a living, what we what our passion is, the balance there, and also the connection with our kids, and then obviously. Working on our own internal stuff. That's really what we did. And then the other thing that we do, like I said, the podcast is the podcast has been around for a long time. Been really blessed there. It's called the Dad Edge Podcast. Most important work that we're doing, though, is in our mastermind community, and that's the Dad Edge Alliance mastermind community. That's that's our elite brotherhood. That's where we get in actual mastermind groups. We have 12 call teams and we literally have a call team, one, two, or even three that meet every day of the week. And we tackle a topic. And this is all virtual. We all do it. We use Zoom. We do everything virtually. And what we do is we focus on one topic every single month, and then we break that topic down into every week what we're focusing on underneath that topic. So, like, for instance, in February, we focused on love, sex, intimacy, and communication, and we broke that down. And one of the things we broke down was emotional validation. Because you can't have those things unless you are doing those things. You know, if understanding the love language, that was another week that we focused on. So really getting, building that foundation from the ground up, that's what we do. And then in that community as well, we also have live Q&As with just elite, amazing people. We've had uh, Navy SEALs come on and do a Q&A. We've had pro athletes. We just had John Eldridge come on and do a Q&A as well. 
it's been a blessing. We are now, we grow about 20 men per month. Right now we're almost 250 men and we are, we are living life together and proud to say we're just kicking ass. And how can anyone listening now, how can they get in touch with you? How can they connect with your Facebook group and, and any other platform out there? Yeah, good question. You can go to gooddadproject.com. You can go to gooddadproject.com forward slash podcast. Literally in every single podcast, we have links for everything that we are doing. So you can literally click on one episode. You can you can check out a link for the Alliance and see what we do there. You can check out, we also have a, a, a larger free group with over 10,000 men, 10,000 dads from literally across the globe. That's our big free, free group where we have real conversations all day long, but it's free. It's not live though. We don't have we don't get on Zoom calls like we do in the Alliance, but it's something men can experience. And then, of course, uh, on my website, gooddadproject.com, there's all kinds of just free resources. There's a few. There's one on there for couples, improving your intimacy. There's one on there for connection with your kids, uh, even one for your health, you know, if you're looking for any health advice. Larry, thank you so much for sharing yourself and sharing your journey and vulnerability as well. Uh, it's been a great pleasure. Oh, you bet, man. It's an honor. And and thanks for getting up so early. For those of you guys who don't know, man, Paul is like, he is just a very dedicated host to this podcast. The guy told me before we got started today, it was 3.30 a.m. his time. He got up that early for this show. So that shows you like what an amazing host you have here and how much this man is dedicated to bringing you just amazing content. So kudos to you, brother. Thank you so much. I'm going back to bed very shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Larry Hagner. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget, you can check out The Good Dad Project and The Dad Edge Podcast. You can also get Larry's book. Go to our show notes, themanbits.com forward slash 36, and all the links, resources, everything you need will be in there. What did I take from this episode? Well, for me, one big one was the love languages, respect for your partner at all times, no matter what. You're a team. It's to work together as a team for the family. And to have a band of brothers to have a band of brothers that you can lean into someone you can confide in someone you can share frustrations with rants with someone that you can learn from that's really important and a great way of doing that is to connect with Larry and the Good Dad Project if you like what we're doing here check out the Patreon themanbits.com forward slash rewards that's where you can contribute to the show you can keep us going for longer anything from one dollar i'll make sure there's extra content for you and we'd love to have you as part of that community so go check that out at the manbits.com forward slash reward and if you think that somebody might benefit from today's show or any show please share it so hop onto your phone grab your phone out your pocket right now hit subscribe share the episode by text share it by email whatever it really helps the growth of the show it helps get this awesome information and education out to the world so please get your phone out hit subscribe and share the love don't forget to tune in on sunday with our bonus episode from either myself or rob stocker plus next week i've got monique rhodes professional musician who founded the company 10 minute mind she has a really amazing story to tell so tune in next week for that interview until then hold on to your man bits have a great week i love you all i appreciate you all ciao for now <laughs>